this is Chip, and you have reached another episode of The Real Dirt. I'm coming to you from a brand new mobile studio in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. That's right, we are in the fabulous Staybridge Suites today doing our first Oklahoma Real Dirt episode. That's right, as many of you may have listened to the last episode, we were shutting down our Denver Real Dirt Studios. I kind of left it up in the air as what was happening, and we still don't have a studio. I'm going mobile right now. We're in Oklahoma for the next several months, calling OKC home, getting into the culture and the humidity, and we're just bouncing around from kind of place to place, VRBO, ARBNB, hotel to hotel, and it's not going to stop me from bringing you some quality, quality episodes. You know, Oklahoma has just legalized medical cannabis. Several other states, Michigan, Illinois, Missouri, California, like so many people are going through brand new regulatory uh, times. And for the first time ever, people all over the country are able to grow a little bit of ganja for themselves. And whether it's commercial or if it's just an independent and private grow where you're growing it just for you, it's the first time ever that many places and many people have allowed this type of like normal and natural activity of, of growing cannabis, growing ganja. You know, I, I've been involved in growing ganja most of my adult life for a really long time. Many of you heard my inception stories of being exposed to uh, my first bag of weed with seeds in it. And we planted the seeds immediately. And I have a lifelong love affair with cannabis. And, and most of that has actually been outside and in greenhouses, even though I don't discriminate indoor, outdoor greenhouse light up, you know, it, it's all fascinating to me. And, and, and I think it should be to you too. So most of this time it's all been outdoor cultivation. We moved to Humboldt County in 1997, we're starting clones at the time. In Humboldt, still clones weren't like this uh, predominant way people propagated their their cannabis plants. And I mean, through, throughout the country, most people still relied on seeds. It was a much, 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 much smaller group of people growing ganja back then. And mostly the U.S. was still relying on imports from around the world, specifically Mexico, to fuel our ganja habits. In 1997, throughout the country, most people were still planting seeds outside, and clones were really relatively new thing for many, many people. You know, indoors, people had heard about it, uh, but, you know, planting clones, especially at that time, was, was, was a new phenomenon. And, you know, the reason that people want to plant clones is because you have a name brand weed. You have a weed that you know has certain characteristics. You have a ganja that uh, performs in a certain way or that you like the taste, the smell, the look, the weight of it. And, and that's really why people grow clones. And, you know, there's a place for seeds. 100% there's a place for seeds. That's where it all starts. But, you know, many, many people want to grow the clone of sour diesel or the clone of dosi dough or the clone that's been selected out of a uh, some sort of uh, pheno search to be the best clone. And there's historic clones like OG Kush and Trainwreck and Purple Urkel. And it's just what people want to plant. But there's problems with planting clones outside. 
And 20 years ago, 20, I guess it's more than that now, 22 years ago when we showed up in Humboldt, uh, we had clones and I was already a little uh, experienced on planting clones outside in the deep south. The first thing people noticed was like, wow, these clones, they're, they're going into flower almost as soon as I put them out. You know, and people like look at their, they're like, well, well the calendar says it's June something, it's May something, like the sun's out, it's warm, like all the rest of my plants in my garden are growing. Like, why am I having, you know, these clones re revert? It might be a word people use, or some people used senesce, but I don't know if that's quite the right term for it. But basically, the clones are really more photosensitive than seed plants. And clones, they, um, especially the ones that we've, we've bred for indoor production, they want to flower under, you know, low darkness. In the U.S., mostly, you know, 14 and a half hours is uh, about as much darkness as we, I mean, as much light as we get on June 21st, which is the solstice. So, uh, you know, if you think about it, it's like we're flowering those plants inside at 12 hours of light. It just doesn't take much to like trick that plant into flowering when you put it outside. And there's many contributing factors, but one is just the sheer number of hours, number of darkness there still are in the day. And and this episode is is kind of the problems with that and how to overcome it. And we're going to call up a couple of different people and, and talk to them about how to plant clones outside. No matter where you are, we're going to talk to some seed people. We're going to talk to some clone people, some clone nurseries, and kind of get their take on it. You know, this whole episode is really spawned by a couple of Facebook groups I'm I'm involved with couple Oklahoma groups and a couple of outdoor cannabis groups. And this year, more than ever, I have seen people post photos of their plants going into flower because, you know, in Florida and Georgia, throughout Texas, Oklahoma, through Southern California, uh, Missouri, Kansas, all over the country, like it's been like decent growing weather the past several weeks, months, even people want to get started. They planted their tomatoes out. They've planted their cabbage out. They, they, they're already cutting their grass, like, you know, hay fever's in, you know, it's time to plant ganja in their minds. But uh, with clones, it's a little sensitive and you should just hold off a little bit. We're going to talk to a handful of people today. And we're going to try to get to the crux of the biscuit on maybe some different ways to deal with planting clones outside, how to deal with them when they you plant them out too early and they flower, ways to keep them from flowering when you put them outside, good time strategies, good planning strategies. So uh, yeah, man, stay tuned for this awesome episode of The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Fire one up and sit back and enjoy.
This is Chip with The Real Dirt. All right, thanks for joining me today. we got a special day today. We're going to talk to several people on the phone about uh, how to plant clones outside. Now, it sounds kind of easy, but it can be a little bit more difficult than most people think. Up first, we have uh, Chris Bain. He's our manager of Cultivate Oklahoma, Cultivate OKC. That's our new grow hydroponic shop that we are opening in the process of opening in Oklahoma City. Cultivate Colorado, we've been around for uh, over 10 years, helping people grow throughout the country, and there was such an exciting opportunity in Oklahoma, we decided to set up a shop there. You know, when when I decided that the big thing about opening up new businesses is... Well, you got to get great, great people in there to help you run it, to like be able to talk, especially hydro stores. You have to have individuals that can talk about cultivation and all aspects of, of ganja. And it's really hard to find those people these days because so many of them want to work in the cannabis industry directly and touch the plant. But I was fortunate enough that a, a good friend of mine, Chris Bain, was was kind of available. Chris has, has worked with me on and off in a number of years. He he worked with me at Royal Gold in those early years. He helped me develop some of my recipes, and he was a um, he really did everything around the plant from bagging product to uh, taking temperatures for compost piles. And you know, he's a great research and developer. But you know, Chris is he's he's has a, a long experience with outdoor cultivation. He's been involved in outdoor cultivation for twenty years living off the grid for a number of those years and you know living off the grid it really makes you resourceful on on how how you do things and how you come across things but also living in the heart of the cannabis cannabis community in Mendocino County really has propelled him and Oklahoma Cultivate OKC could not be more lucky to have somebody like Chris to be able to help our locals there in Oklahoma, especially with irrigation drip, outdoor, indoor cultivation like technology. Chris is really going to be a great asset. And, uh, yeah, here, here we got him on the line. Hey. No, Mr. Bain. How you doing, bud? Hey, doing good. Oh, coming to me live from Willits, California. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I gave you a brief intro but uh, just to do it again yeah i mean chris longtime friends worked together on and off for years and uh he is uh, moving to oklahoma as we speak to uh run our cultivate okc yes <laughs> yeah it's, it sounds like you got your uh kid in the background there oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. toting him on the farm teaching him drip irrigation Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, I know we, me and you both have been talking about this, and, and this is kind of why I opened up this episode is so many people are having problems putting out clones right now. And to, to me and you, we, we've seen this for 20 years. We've experienced problems with it for 20 years. And, uh, yeah, the, this topic of today's episode is basically like, how do you plant clones outside that's a, a good topic for sure yeah, it's so complex planting too early and not using any light to keep them in veg especially with clones <laughs> yeah they want to flower easily and readily that's for sure when you put them out yes you've been seeing people do this forever what's the, the number one mistake that they could avoid and how do, how do they avoid it oh i would say planting too early with clones and what's too early? I would say probably earlier than the 15th of May. 
in my opinion. I just feel like you're opening yourself up to diseases. And I think that just because they're really big when you put them out doesn't mean they're going to get bigger, get bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that's, a, you know, that's a great point, man. So many people, they want this 15 foot tall plant. You've heard it. And so they like start in February vegging this thing and they get it huge and it's root bound in a five gallon pot and a 10 gallon pot. And they go to transplant it outside in May or even in June. Right. And it, it, it flowers. But on the opposite side of that, if you hit a plant just right, same strain, you can put it out at just a four or five inch pot at the right time of year and you get five pound plant. Four pound plant. Sure. Right. June 1st planting this weekend. Definitely. If you had a size that you saw many plants not flower at or the perfect situation to, to, to plant them out, could, could you pinpoint that? It would be one that's not root bound, probably in a one gallon pot just for ease of transplant. Transplant. The main thing, just not being root bound when you are going out, I think is a good spot to be because it seems like root bound really helps trigger the early flowering yeah. too. So that plant in the one gallon pot, you know, what me and Chris are saying is that you, you can absolutely get the plant to be two or three, four foot tall in the one gallon pot, but you, you should keep it this perfect, like one foot ish tall plant. Right. And then, and then transplant that out. Sure. So let's see, we, 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 we train, we keep the plant small. We, we try not to stress them. We don't root bound them. We don't start too early. What are some of the other keys to playing clones outside? Oh, probably starting with the most bug free, cleanest clones possible. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is, I've even heard some crazy stories this season, even involving uh, tissue culture clones. <laughs> share, share. Uh, it's all in the chain of custody. <laughs> <laughs> no matter where you start the plant, from clone or from tissue culture or, or from seed, you you have to keep it healthy and plant it at the right the right time. Do any plants or any style or any strains do better to plant out early than others or later than others? I think for early stuff, I, I kind of like getting the, the stretchier ones out so that they, they have a better opportunity of initiating flower when they should. It seems like for the late plantings, the quicker strains are usually the way to go. Right. The, the shorter flowering strains. What do you mean about late planting? What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, going out towards the end of July. The planting season for cannabis really is uh, about six six to eight weeks between solstice from solstice to August 1st, a couple weeks before solstice to maybe August 1st. That's the prime cannabis outdoor planting time, right? Mm -hmm. And you can plant clones out at any size really during this period of time and, and get substantial, substantial size plants. We were talking earlier, what, what, what size plant do you think is the most efficient outdoor plant? And then maybe what's the best greenhouse plant? size i i think for outdoor for me personally uh late planting and going for five foot tall plants like something that is easy to manhandle at the end of the season mm -hmm. easy <laughs> to stake up and easy to stake up easy to harvest easy to hang you don't have to break it up into a bunch of pieces to dry it mm -hmm. uh it seems like it gives you a slower dry time which is nice and this climate, especially when it's not raining a bunch, <laughs> <So> <laughs> to slow down the dry. 
That's yeah. been kind of my favorite the last couple of years. It seems like the late planting too has higher quality buds. Usually looks more like indoor. Yeah, you get a thinner stem on the stalk of the plant. You just have to plant out more. That's that's the thing. It's just you have to think about the square footage and how many more plants you're going to plant out. What what about greenhouse? You said outdoor. What about greenhouse? Greenhouse, I, I like them a little bit smaller, maybe about four feet tall. Mm-hmm. The size greenhouses I use, it seems like it's a, a good size to still maintain the airflow without it turning into an absolute jam-packed canopy. Can still move air through it. Sure, because there's this whole allure to these huge plants, but as soon as you get them mm-hmm. in a greenhouse, you just clog up all your airways. Yeah. You're coming to Oklahoma right now. Uh, I mean, you, you've been down there the past several months. We've been working, opening up the store, but you're just packing your gear up right now. You've been talking to some – yeah, I mean, you're from Oklahoma, even. You you were, yes. <laughs> you were born and raised in Oklahoma, and, and you're you're making full service back there. Have you spoken to any outdoor growers or greenhouses growers down there and, and what they're trying to do and hear what they're trying to do? Only a few. I definitely see that there's going to be a big learning curve for a lot of people. People in red dirt, <laughs> kind of digging out pots in the ground and adding soil. Yeah, it's the, the, the wind and the rain that's going to be the significant di- problem i believe i think so yeah because most of the many of the legal ganja places are west coast states you know colorado's a dry state but all of those states are dry and it might not rain for months and months in colorado it can rain in the summertime a little bit and the wind can pick up especially early that rain comes down and just breaks all the branches off those big plants if you don't have them staked up right and Mm-hmm. Wrong time of the year, it comes down, soaks your buds, molds it all out. Yeah, I, I think that the wind, when the plants start getting heavy, the wind is going to be a big factor along with the rain. I hope people are prepared with a lot of caging and Hortanova trellis, and <laughs> it's going to take some effort to keep them up. <laughs> yeah, and that's that is why I like well, I like smaller plants for many reasons. One, you get the plant more. And, you know, mm-hmm. I like to see more plants grown, different, different type of plants. And I just, I just like smaller plants, but they hold up better, really. They do. You know, the buds don't get as big. Ease of maintenance. I think uh, some of the gardens I've seen planting, getting planted so far on Instagram seem to be mimicking the, the old plant count, like big plant style of NorCal and I think they're missing the boat. They should be going for smaller plants, maybe even later planting. <laughs> I know, man. There's this whole allure to like this big, big plant. It's like the it's the American dream, dude. Big car, big house, big plants. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Driving that Lincoln up the hill, that's hard, man. You get a jacked up Prius and it's far better. Yes. <laughs> oh, I think I I think I'd rather be in a hoop right now. Oh, not quite in the ground yet. Oh yeah, this time of year for sure. I mean, I pr- I prefer just a week before solstice if you're going to have plants that are, you know, in 1 gallon or 3 gallon pots. I also prefer tall, stretchy plants as opposed to short, squat plants. If I did have to say you have to plant out early in the year, then, man, if you just put out a, an acclimated clone, first of June, that's only like six, eight inches tall, those usually actually do pretty well. Yeah, if it's a stretchy plant going out at that height right now, that would be a big plant by the end of the year. 
yeah. definitely been surprised. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, uh, if you got any ad- advice out there for uh, outdoor growers in Maryland or Oklahoma or Washington or Colorado with regard to clones, what would it, what would it be, Chris? I would say it's not too late. If you have any inclination of getting on the ground this year, get started now. Get your clones going. Keep on up potting and get them out there by the end of the month or end of July, yeah. I would say. Just start now. Start now. Yeah. It's not too late. <laughs> it's not. No, it's not too late at all, man. It's not too late at all. Well, thanks, Chris, man. We expect to see you over here in a few days. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you Oklahomians are out and about and want to stop by and chat with Chris, he is at CultivateOKC.com. That's at uh, 1101 Meridian Street. That's on the corner of Northwest 10th and Meridian in Oklahoma City. Hey, thanks, Chris. Good luck with the move, man. We'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks, Chip. Bye. Oh yeah, Chris is a great guy, man. I'm stoked to have him on my team. Well, he's just got a just got an eye for the plant and an eye for the technology. Couldn't be a better combination. If you're you're in Oklahoma and you got some questions, just stop by and, and, and chat with Chris. All right. Well, my next guest, Jason Miller of Kishkanu Farms. Uh, he's a longtime friend of mine. I've known Jason since 2002, three, four, maybe. Humboldt County grower. Him and his wife, Gretchen, run Kishkanu Farms. And Kishkanu has a wide line of topical cannabis products that are sold all over the U.S. Um, the CBD line is sold throughout the country and, and just most recently at Saks Fifth Avenue. And several other major you know, companies are going to come along picking up this brand. As well as uh, their THC line is sold throughout California. Lotions, salve, suppositories. Like they, they've really pioneered the medicinal aspects of topical uh, products. And, you know, they've also pioneered growing some really finicky strains. Jason, he's been growing bubblegum for a number of years. And bubblegum is a really photosensitive plant. And it's a really difficult plant to put outside while it's a cologne. And it's a prime example of, you know, why you have uh, specific clones. This specific bubblegum comes out really early, does great outside. Mid-September, you can harvest it. But, man, it's really finicky putting it out and and, and we're going to dial up Jason here and get him on the line get him to get him to tell us how it works all right hold on let me see if I can get him on the phone let's see if we can get him on the line here hey Jason are you there Jason are you there hello (laughs) Humboldt County connection it's almost like a, a tin can might work better What's up? Are you there? Jason, are you there? I am here. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's almost like we have a tin can stretched from Oklahoma to Humboldt County. <laughs> the old uh, coconut wireless. Oh, totally, man. You know, it's many people, uh, they have access to cell phones and it's so readily easily, but Humboldt's one of those places that's still uh, cell phone signal free in so many areas. Yeah, our farm, we don't have any service, so we're out there, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I gave you a little introduction, Jason. Uh, He's an old friend of mine and expert in planting clones outside, so I've told my audience. What's going on, man, is is people all over the country right now are planting clones outside for the first time ever. They've been allowed to, and you know what's going on, right? 
Yeah. People are struggling, I'm sure. People are so. struggling, right. They, yeah, many of these clones aren't performing well. They're going into flower. And uh, yeah, man, I just wanted to have this episode on like the like difficulties of planting clones outside and and wondered if you had some, some advice. The best advice I can give you is keep them happy as much as you can. And, you know, that's no a difficult thing when you're moving them from a comfortable climate controlled environment into nature. So right. for us, we always tried to make it as easy of a transition as we could and, you know, make sure that we were moving them into a covered greenhouse for a little while to transition from high pressure lights to the sun. Cause that can be overwhelming for sure. And then controlling the temperature and just trying to give them a little time to, Harden off is what we always call it, where the plant just adjusts from, you know, its cushy nursery life into a, into a little more rugged environment, I guess, if you will. So you're on the coast there and, and mostly we grow in greenhouses along the coast. So it's a, it might be a little bit easier, but it, it is still difficult when you're talking about bringing plants from fluorescence or T5s or LEDs or even HIDs outside to the greenhouse, they get sunburned or melted. How would you describe that, that action that happens when they get introduced to sunlight too, too quickly? Oh, they burn. Definitely. I think it, it's like a severe sunburn. You know, you go from, I guess, a gentle light, maybe I would liken it from, you know, Irish person sitting in the shade in Ireland to Arg. sitting on the beach in Jamaica <laughs> without any shade. It's pretty harsh. No, totally, so, totally, um, totally. Yeah, they need a little love. They We always made sure that we would either set them off under the canopy of the forest to let them kind of get partial sun as they transitioned in and or, you know, put them under a greenhouse cover that was translucent and cut out 15% of the sunlight at least just to like shade, not overdo shade it. cloth or something like that. You guys ever, yeah, we use remay and shade cloth and all sorts of things. You know, if it was going just outside for sure, if it's in the greenhouses for us, we found that the plastic of the greenhouse provided enough filter, but just enough. Um, right. Yeah. Right. You know, typically what, what time of year do you bring your, your cuttings outside? Depends on the location of the farm for us. Our old farm, we were closer to the coast and had year-round access. And so I would usually try to get it started around early April, first of April, pretty much, was when we'd start. And we definitely had to supplement light and heat in our greenhouses to you know, keep the plants from flowering or, or freezing. So kind of just start to harden them off early for us. And then we would try to run multiple turns a year out of our greenhouses. So we were, you know, often moving into our flowering phase by like mid-May, forcing flowering at that point and getting two to three cycles in a year. So you experience putting clones out a couple of different times in the year and have a, have a few different problems. In April, it's not, might not be so hot, but it's, it could be freezing. It could be snow. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. And then like when you put them out again and then, so, so hey, let's, let's explain it to everybody. I'll back up. So what Jason's doing is he's taking his uh, clones, his plants, what, what size containers you put these in gallons when you bring them out? Uh, so, yeah, I usually start 
from a rooted cutting into a three and a half inch or a four inch pot and I hmm. get them jumping in there a little bit. And then I would move them generally to my greenhouse and into one gallon or seven gallon pots, depending on how long they were going to stay in the greenhouse. Right. Yeah. It's just um, so much easier to move those three and a half inch pots. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And your roots, you know, you don't want your plants to get root bound, but you don't want them to have to go too far to get rooted either. And it, I found that, you know, a one gallon is fine. You can go straight into a one gallon with a clone for sure. But right. It just takes a I little bit more go, to transport it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So as far as uh, the clandestine Humboldt stuff that we used to do, we definitely would go from the three and a half to a one or seven. I never seven did any often. of that, Jason. I never did any of that. You're transporting your clones, your plants now from in three and a half or four inch pots in April into the greenhouse. Uh, you transplant them up and then you have to heat it and light it because the the light cycle so low. Right. Yeah, depending on where you are geographically, um, you know, for us, even that spring sun, the lumens are so low compared to what you get in the late season that often we would have, you know, stretchier and less kind of stacked node formation on our flowers. So it end up being a, a little lighter and a little more spaced out than our later season runs, but still worth doing. And with this case, you're not relying on natural light necessarily to flower the plants. You're depping it with a black curtain of some sort, and that's way you're going to pull multiple times a year. Right. That, that's what, that's what's going on. Even though you might like uh, pull your first crop early in the summer, you, you generally also would put some cuttings out for full season, we'd call it. How would you bring those out? So those would, similar to the other clones, they would come out into the nursery, harden off in the nursery in a one or a seven gallon pot, just kind of give them a chance to adjust. And often I would find that, you know, depending on how cold it is and how the sun is for that transition period, anywhere from like four days to two weeks where the plants kind of stall out a little bit and harden off and when that happens you can see the transition from like the stress that it puts on the plant to the vibrant green health of a outdoor cannabis plant so there's nothing like the sunshine for growing a plant obviously and you know indoor farmers might disagree but at the end of the day when you see a healthy cannabis plant in the sun you you know for a fact that it's absolutely the best so right. yeah it changes completely growth patterns man like like thin leaves indoors you put them outdoors and when they start to actually grow like an outdoor plant they'll have like fat leaves right or tall plants will become short or short plants will become taller like you know uh, the, the 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 sun is amazing that's for sure and it definitely transforms you know plants you you pioneered bubblegum and you're well known for that one throughout Humboldt County in, in Northern California. You guys, you guys did that for a long, long time. Bubblegum's a really sensitive plant, right? It, it flowers easily when you put it outside. Is there like a, a certain date or procedure that you would have with light cycles or fertilizer to get them not to flower when they went outside under just normal natural light? I mean, often I would shoot for the solstice, I guess, if I wanted to be 100% certain that 
you know, things were going to be fine. So if I was going to bring them out before then, which we often did, I would make sure they were in the nursery. And we had even a doesn't have to be a high intensity light, just enough light to keep the plants from from flowering. And what type of lights you guys use for that? Because you guys are um, off grid, right? You're, you're yeah, we were off grid. We were using we would use what we referred to them as string lights. Essentially, they're you know it's a hundred foot long run of high lumen. I guess it's like 150 watts per bulb. So it's only like 1500 watts for a hundred foot run that mm-hmm. would keep a whole greenhouse from flowering. And so we would run those string lights through the house, one or two of them, depending on you know how packed the house was, and that. That would be enough so when the sun dropped behind the ridge for us we could kick those lights on and keep them on until you know 10 o'clock at night or whatever the natural light cycle would be at the peak of you know the summer solstice and then your plants will stay in their vegetative cycle and and be agreeable so for us often like somewhere near the summer solstice we would make our transition outside and and not worry about it anymore at that point when they start flowering on their own that's when you want them to usually so you know they would often get out around mid-june and and go until august before they start flowering generally for the bubble gum and certain strains they would go a little earlier which for us was great because we were close to the co- the coast and the fog line, which it just demanded that we get done earlier. Later on in the summertime, when you're having your second light depth crop, are you also using those string lights to increase your vegetative period of your second crop? The natural light is enough to do it. You know, once your plants are not going into flower on their own outside, they were also not going to do it, you know, in the nursery for us. And unless we were trying to do an, a late, run which you know depending on where you are the options there and for us we we experimented with lots of different options but for us we found the late run didn't really pan out so sure yeah if you get that right spot dude late runs awesome right grass valley you know somewhere more inland that has the longer season i think then you might want to continue to run your string lights or your supplemental lighting in order to keep your plants from flowering until you're ready for them to go so because definitely having you know had plants that went into flowering and trying to bring them back out and ha- that's it difficult just gets really really wonky it can you know it has never worked out from what mm-hmm. i've seen so I would say you're you're better off not trying to go back once they go. Unless you just need to save the genetics and then it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, it it's absolutely a struggle. I've I've told people more than once when they put their plants out, say like two weeks ago, and they stall, they start to flower, they wonder what to do. And my solution is always just, you know, either cut them down and start over or cut them all the way down to just a nub and hit them hard with some nitrogen and cross your fingers. Because yep. you, know, <laughs> yep. you can't, there's just no one way to do it for sure. No. And I've tried it. We've, you know, when we were first getting going and stuff, we had, you know, people give us extra things they had or whatever. And they were already, you know, into that flowering cycle and trying to bring them back out and go back in. It just turned into this just larfy mess of mold by the end of it all, really. So, so yeah, I think you're better off following the plant as far as that goes if it if it's time for the plant to flower 
don't argue. Interesting story. I'm, I'm uh, here in Oklahoma, right? We're opening up a bunch of stuff down here right now. And I was talking to a guy about uh, seeds. We were chatting on the internet, um, on Facebook, just about like the local genetics. And I'm interested. So I'm like, hey, what are some of the local genetics? What's the best thing to grow around here? And this one guy chimes in. He's like, the best thing I ever found was I got some bubble gum from Humboldt 2004 to 2006. There was a couple seeds in it. And man, we grew that for years. That was the best Oklahoma strain. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds about right. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, cannabis plants moved all moves all over the world, man. Cannabis and coconuts—they've definitely circumnavigated the world. Oh yeah, it's one of those things with this plant where I think for some of us, it's it's been a a lifestyle as much as anything, and you know, mm-hmm. certainly the counterculture that surrounds it has been. I feel like I serve the plant as much as it serves me at this point in life. So it's an interesting dynamic for sure. What's going on with you guys? I briefly let my audience know how, how uh, dynamic Kish Canoe was. Just tell me what's new with you. Well, we're trying to make this transition from the Humboldt world into legal cannabis. And we're here in Humboldt. We had to sell one of our farms to make it work. And we're, you know, purchased a building in Eureka where we're doing manufacturing, non-volatile manufacturing, and mainly infused topical products and packaged flour. So we're doing a bunch of pre-rolls and packaging sun-grown flour there, as well as, you know, trying to network with local farmers up here and help them find a path to market and just kind of try to help our community up here to make this transition and keep a leg up in this corporate cannabis world that's coming at us faster than anybody could have anticipated. So a lot of it's just kind of trying to help Humboldt make this transition into legal cannabis and still stay relevant. And we're also hoping to open a dispensary at our building here and do like an on-site consumption lounge. And that'll put us with full vertical integration. We have our farm we still cultivate on and then the manufacturing distribution and retail at the building. And we're working with a large distributor who's getting us around the state. And we're just trying to produce high quality sun grown cannabis with a conscience. Yeah. 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 And then we have our CBD line going as well. And we just went into Saks Fifth Avenue into a CBD pop-up there a couple months ago. And that's exciting and yeah just lots of new things bubbling for us with that so just trying to uh, make products with ingredients that you can read and understand everything Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm, in it and mm -hmm. feel good about putting it on your body and in your body and everywhere in between so yeah oh man that that sounds awesome man i've been really enjoying following you guys and we always love seeing our friends do really well hey where can our listeners like follow you guys you guys are on instagram and facebook and stuff right Yep, we're on Instagram at Kiskanoo and uh, Kiskanoo Farms, both. And then on our website for our CBD products is kiskanoo.com. And our other site for the cannabis is kiskanoocannabis.com. And uh, yeah, you can find us on there. We have all our locations where we're available for sale in the state of California in the legal market. On the other site, we're trying to keep it updated with where we're available outside of California for the CBD. So yeah. Check us out and look forward to getting our products out there. I definitely will. And I look forward to seeing you guys. We got those direct flights from Denver to uh, Arcata now. So hopefully I'm going to be back more and more. 
Well, heck yeah. I look forward to it, Chip. Hey, always good chatting with you, Jason. Thanks, man. You, you, you yeah, really, I think you. you're really going to help some people grow some weed this year. Hey, what's up, Brian? What's up, Chip? <laughs> I totally ambushed you there, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want everybody uh, to introduce to Brian from uh, Yumbolt Farms. Brian's one of my oldest grow bros, and he has extensive experience planting clones outside. Brian, so many people are having problems planting clones outside because it's their first time growing outdoors. And, and I know you are an expert at... Uh, at clones and planting them outside. Yeah, man. I use shade or shade cloth. <laughs> All right. So yeah. so you use shade cloth or you use remake? Twenty percent shade cloth usually, twenty or thirty percent. Mm-hmm. Tell us uh, uh what you do there. Well, we grow we grow tons of good ganja. Tons of ganja man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um uh, Got a late start this year, so we're we're planting a lot of plants really close together. Mm-hmm. What's your uh, what's your what's your planting strategy? Well, we've got beds, we've got pots, we've got a little bit of everything. Um, but right now, we're running about a foot and a half apart. Flipping here in the next couple of days. So you're um, also you're also light depping. You're also in greenhouses. Yeah, we're we're um, in greenhouses, light depping, and we're getting our full season all outside now. Tell me how you get these clones outside and you keep them from flowering. Well, um, we use lights. There, there um, you go. <laughs> you know what I mean, for full season light. and light depth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 still running lights on everything. We're just now transitioning some of our uh, some of the sativas aren't as light sensitive, so we got them outside without lights. Any of the indicas, which most of our full season are a little shorter season, so most of them are a little lean a little more towards indica. Let's talk strains. You know I don't like that indica sativa bullshit. Well, you know what's uh, <laughs> you, you know well the shorter season stuff is more light sensitive. Sure. So, what what strains are those? You know we're growing a lot of the commercial stuff, uh, wedding cake, uh, mm. SFB. Uh, Straight OG, old school OG. I've got uh, some of my own strains, uh, banana strain I've been working on, super high THC. We've got some of the Mac crosses, Mac yeah. one, I've been talking about it. I've got a bunch of crosses that I made over this winter. Kind of a variety, but for the most part, a lot of commercial strains like SFV and Wedding Cake and uh, Girl Scout cookie and now, do do you find any any strains are um, more susceptible into to flowering when you put them outside under natural light, or you, you guys just oh yeah always add light? How does it work? For sure, for sure, some of them are more sensitive. Um, also, seems like when you let the plants get root bound, they want to flower. They want to pre flower. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit you know little little stresses tend to make them want to pre-flower now i think it's safe to move about everything outside we've been cutting the lights down to just like an hour or two at night mm-hmm. so that we don't go from 24 hours to 15 because they like to flower when you do that as well totally so you take your cuttings at 24 hours then you veg them inside at 24 hours and and then bring them out or 
Are you bike? You you guys buy cuttings, right? Because you got an off grid farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We buy all of our cuttings. Various companies, uh, Dark Cart, Mendocino Clone Company. You know, then also taking our some of our own. We took some of our own of our of of just our own strains. But since we got such a late start, we just bought. You know, we bought about six thousand plants. Late start? Are you? Are you? Because you you try to get an early depth in. Are you? Do you have your first depth going now? We're we're gonna start pulling tarps tomorrow or the next day. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, we got we have five greenhouses for depth that we'll we'll be doing a second run in. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else is considered just full season one run. Right. So and, and, so, so you depth it. For it'll dep in June and July, and then in August you put more clones back in. But then you do you run lights then? Oh, I already have my full season plants. So full season usually we go a little bit bigger. They're going to be probably two, about two foot spacing, except for our our full sun outdoor is in a hundred and fifty gallon pots. So we already have those going, and they're already in one gallons. You mm-hmm. know, outgrown one gallon, mm-hmm. ready to go outside. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so yeah, we run we run lights, just rope lights, six watt bulbs, six watt LED bulbs. Do you turn that on after the the night has come, or 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 what? What's your strategy there? Do you increase the daylight yeah. naturally, or do you let it get dark and then you turn them on again? It's so low wattage that we have them on even during the day, just so that we don't forget to plug them in at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right, because yeah. all your stuff is is solar and, and generator powered. So right now we're running fans and everything. It's hot today, 60 watts for a hundred foot stretch of um, lighting. So And so you just let them run a couple hours after dark and then you yeah. shut it off. Right now we're running them only, except for on like smaller clones, we still are running, you know, 20 hours or 24 hours or whatever. But any well-established plants, we just run a couple hours of light mm-hmm. just enough. So, and then also so that when they, Stop getting light. They don't want to go into flower. It's not a huge shock to cut them down two hours of light. It seems like if you have 24 hours of light and then you go to 15, it'll flower. If you have 17 hours of light and you go to 15, it won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know? And some strains are a little more sensitive than others. For sure, for sure. I mean, you know, SFV, you always get a little pre-flower. I don't know why. It's just one of those things. Not really enough. They're not really flowering, but you can see hairs. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And that's just one of those strains that are kind of sensitive that way. Um, and then, you know, like a blueberry muffin, you got to keep light on it until it goes outside. Eventually, basically, you put it outside, it just starts flowering. Totally. So you, you put it you put it out at solstice, I guess? I'm not growing any blueberry muffin this year. All right. right. <laughs> I was just using that as an example. That's one of the reasons I'm not growing it. It's actually too short of a strain. You know, it, it finishes around October 1st. So, which is nice, but, uh, yeah, I like all that out- big. Yeah. They don't get that big. It's a little loose. It's not that great. I, I love the flavor, but you know, I like to grow weight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now with, with the, with the legal market, you got to have high THC. So all the strains we're growing this year are high THC. Um, I know that I can get it over 20%, you know, in soil, outdoor, whatever, however we grow it. The blueberry muffin, a couple of those strains seem to be a little weak on the THC. Those a lot of the purple strains and stuff seem to be that purple new high. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> pretty to look at, but um, you know, 
it seems like the legal industry is very THC oriented, which is unfortunate, but true. It is, man. You know, people just, I've said this story again, but I'll tell you, you know, going to dispensary and I'm looking for some weed. It was OG Wi-Fi or something. And they were out. I knew they happened to have good products. So I went there, you know, and they were out and the the bud tender's like, oh, but we have this Jack Care that's also 27%. You'll like yeah. it. And it's like, dude, it's totally fucking different. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. No, different flavors, different everything. Different flavor, <laughs> different high, like all of it. And, you know, THC levels, cannabinoid levels do not tell the whole story. That's yeah. for sure. You know, we're smoking some purple punch that's supposedly 29%. I don't know, man. It, it, it does not feel like 29%. Yeah. A lot of people are growing that this year, actually. That's great weed. Oh, man, it tastes great. It looks great. Yeah. It's fun to grow. It's pretty. Like, it's good weed. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Frosty, crystally. Hey, do you, you have any favorite things you're growing right now, Brian? My strawberry banana cross is super badass. Like, it's close to 30%. That's just outdoor, commercial, not doing anything special, and it's heavy. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my favorites. But uh, you know, you know how it is. All all of it's great. Like oh, shit, no, it's not. No, different strains <laughs> each have their own special thing to oh, it. Oh, like, I, I, I'll say that each strain has know? its own special quality. So you're like one might smell good and doesn't smell quite as good. One might get you stoned or it doesn't smell quite as you know. I don't know. It's just all over. We spent a lot of time and money over the winter growing winter crops and amending our soil and really prepping it for this year. Like we have never, like I've never done in thirty something years of growing. Just really building the soil up. And uh, turning it and, you know, just getting it really dialed in, tilling the winter crops in. And so, uh, you know, it's, we've come a long way as far as building the soil, um, as opposed to the old hydroponic days where you just use rock wool and bottled nudes. Now that we're growing it. bigger, better. And for the legal market, we've really worked on the soil. Yeah, I mean, outdoors, greenhouse, working on the soil, if you've got no bugs, uh, you got no problems, you can reuse the soil, you build your soil, and you really can have uh, great results with very, very little money. And this is coming from a guy who sells grow care. A lot of our plants, we haven't added any any nudes, no tea or anything even. We're just still mm. playing water. Oh, wow. And oh, we're wow. in June, so I'm really, really mm. stoked on the advances we've made in building our soil and um, the information that's available on the internet and a lot of companies are offering it. We went to Soilscape Solutions. They did all of our soil tests. Sam, yeah, Sam's great over there. It's super informative. Whereas before, it's more of a guessing game. You're kind of, you know, you're out here way in the middle of nowhere. You use what you think is right. Now there's a lot of information on the internet and through, um, really soil experts like oh. yourself now it's a lot easier for a beginner grower or even an advanced grower well man you would never listen to me what do you mean dude well i know <laughs> I, well that's because you know i've seen you screw up so much <laughs> <laughs> totally totally oh but man that's how we learned that know? is how that's we learned we both had some screw-ups back in the day that's for sure yeah. you know i anticipate um, some more coming in the future but like oh yeah you, you oh know, plenty that's I'll have farming 
I'll have plenty, plenty, plenty of screw ups this year. And I'll learn from every one of them though. So that just makes next year that much better. So man, Brian, I, I gotta ask, like, like what ha, have you, have you gotten any schnauzers to train to uh, uh, combat the, the squirrel problem? Well, no, we're caging in all of our outdoor plants, mm-hmm. the root balls, the stems, the stalks, everything, which I have done in the past and it worked great. Last year, we got a little lazy because we hadn't had any big problems, but I realized the pro- reason we didn't have problems is because we worked so hard to prevent the problems. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't work hard enough to prevent the problems with the rodents last year. And we lost a lot of plants, and I spent a lot of time with my pellet gun. So this year, no, we're we're wrapping um, all of our outdoor plants in um, in hardware cloth and or chicken wire. The root ball make the make it come out of the soil a little bit. Wrap the stalk with the wire up to about you know eight inches up from the stalk mm-hmm. from the soil, so that moles, gophers. Um, squirrels whatever gets thirsty can't chew on that stalk or can't dig up the roots so yeah man it's not as easy as people think that's for sure oh i mean how would anybody know that unless you just lost a a bunch of plants last year (laughs) (laughs) right for those of you don't know brian called me up last year freaking out and he wasn't the only guy i got like three different phone calls like holy shit man what do i do for squirrels man they are invading i'm like well get a pelican there are hundreds of squirrels there's no way a pelican's gonna solve this problem Yeah, and we and we killed a lot of them, and I didn't really feel that good about it. We did it in hopefully a humane way, but we definitely don't want to use any poison or anything like that. So it's unfortunate that we had to take that route. But this year, I don't think we're gonna have to kill anything. We're gonna just keep the plants healthy and the stalks secure in a cage. There you go. Well, you're yeah. gonna kill it. You're gonna kill it, Brian. You're yeah, gonna yeah. kill it once yeah, again. Yeah. No, everything. Surprisingly, we weren't gonna grow. We had the farm for sale, and then you know the prices were good. I've got all the licenses, and everyone's like, "You're stupid. What are you doing?" And uh, here I am growing again. Somehow we're full and looking great. Like we started like five weeks ago. And we're, we're already about to dap and we're looking solid. Awesome, know. man. Yeah. Man, uh, hey, hey, Brian, thanks thanks for uh, taking my ambush phone call, man. I just called you oh, out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. I was like, who will talk to me about clones? Brian will. Hey, Brian, how can my listeners get uh, follow you, get in touch with you? You're on Instagram? You're on Facebook? Well, you know, actually, we're just getting our Instagram going because of I was working on trademarks. It's kind of stayed a little bit secret. Um, so now my trademarks have been granted, so we'll be launching our Instagram and Facebook, even though we do have one, I think we have it secret. Oh, okay. We just made it unsecret, but make uh, it unsecret right now. So my, my followers can go to what's it, what is it? It's a Yumboldt farms that's on Facebook and Gmail or on, uh, and on, uh, Instagram it's Yumboldt farms too. So go to stop what you're doing right now. Listeners, my friends go to Instagram, pick up your phone. And befriend Yumbolt Farms, spelled with a Y, U-M-B-O-L-D-T, Yumbolt Farms. Yeah. Oh, Brian, thanks thanks for chatting with me, man. Tell uh, Amy and, and everybody else on the hill I said hello. I will for sure, man. Yeah, 
and uh, yeah, fire up one of those good ones for me, man. Fire up one of them sweet ones for me. So we got to get together and fire one up together, don't we? Oh, soon enough, man. I, they got they got uh, they've got direct flights from Denver to Humboldt now, so I'm going to be there much more often. Nice. Well, look this mm. up. And, uh, let's hang out and puff one. Yeah. We hey, we will, man. Thanks right. again, bro. All right, bro. All right, so you guys have all heard from uh, my good buddy Jeff Cadelia of Little Hill Farms there in Trinity County. Jeff has planted dozens and dozens and dozens of strains out over the years, indoor, outdoor, light up. Let's give him a call up and, and, and see what uh, he has to say. Hello? Hey, man, we're just uh, just having a good time today calling up my friends, talking about putting clones outside. And the difficulties of it. I know you're a good person to chat about. There's there's a few tricks, I guess, things to be aware of. Where do you want to start? Oh, yeah, right, right. Where shall we start? Well, hey, man, I'll tell you what spawned this conversation is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm opening up a bunch of stuff down here in Oklahoma. And I'm, I'm on a handful of Facebook groups of cannabis growers throughout the country and the world. And cannabis growers in Oklahoma, and a major problem people are having are clones going out too early and they flower. So uh, my, my conversation today is like strategies to plant clones out so that they transition into to healthy plants, whether it's light depth, greenhouse or full season. Yeah, I, I guess it probably depends on latitude, but you need you're going to want to check your light time, your light hour, your daylight hours and, you know, 15, 15 and a half hours of light. You know, I guess if you go to I, I, I can't really speak on Oklahoma or, or, or down south, but uh, it's like Santa Barbara. Yeah, here in. Well, I can't speak on Santa Barbara either since I've never <laughs> grown there. But it's only it's only about um, twelve minutes difference in light on solstice or something. Yeah, so I would have guessed it's it's pretty similar no matter where you are, unless you're in Alaska or Maine or something. Yeah, Seattle, um, real bad. And then like Georgia and Florida, South Georgia and Florida, it's Texas, it's a little different down there too. Yeah, fifteen, fifteen and a half hours of sunlight. Uh, you you don't want to shock them when you put them out. You know, you want to turn their light hours down if you're growing them indoors, turn them down to 16 hours. And I've always had pretty good luck here just going from 16 hours of light to uh, to just putting them outside with no supplemental lighting. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that always worked for me. So, but, so no supplemental I mean, lighting, just like vegging them inside under 16 hours of light and then just and then just put them out. Yeah. Or vegging them in a in a greenhouse and giving them a little extra light. Um, at night to like say 9 30 10 mm -hmm. and then growing them in there and then when you're ready to put them out say around first week of june like right now i usually waited out here at 3200 feet i usually waited till second second or third week of june just because of the elevation can bring some some cold temperatures at night how big are these plants when you when you typically your, your best plant that you would like in the, the best circumstance you put out June 1st, how big is it? What type of container is it in? I always liked a nice, like rooted out, you know, two to four gallon pot, not that big. It's important that you got a good root ball, but you know, the plants, you know, anywhere between a foot and two feet high. And uh, it's important that you don't let the plant get root bound in its, in its pot before you put it in the final home. Maybe you got like a, a 400 gallon pot to put it in or, or a hundred gallon pot or a thousand gallon pot, whatever you, you're, you're growing doing. large plants for your full season. Mm, I did. I yeah. need more. Yeah. 
Yeah. So are you all um, light up or greenhouse right now? Side note. All all light up. All light yep. up. Okay. But, 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 so, but we're back to full season. Yeah. You don't want to put a root bound plant out. Root bound plants get stressed and they start to trigger no matter what. Mm-hmm. So you'll, so they'll start to get little budlets on the growth tips and, and that's just from it being root bound. So you got to plan and time everything out correctly. And, and if you're too early, you got to keep potting it up until it's ready to go out and until the, until it's planting time. And, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to end up putting a flowering plant out if, if, if you keep it in that, you know, that two gallon container too long. So the timing on that's really important, not shocking them with cutting off their daylight or their light hours too, too fast. Genetics also comes into play a little bit. I know a lot of us have grown uh, Mendo, Mendocino purple and, and crosses of it. And they're real, they're hard to keep in veg. They, mm-hmm. they want to, they want to flower. Yeah. From the get go. Uh, it, it's, they'll almost, they pretty much flower out in my greenhouse with any amount of light less than 24 hours. And it's kind of actually kept me away from a lot of those plants. So, yeah. You know, I, I love them. I found my best success with those type of plants is to actually just put a, a just a rooted cutting out June 1st. Just yeah. small. Just small. Yeah, just if it's small and you took the cut and it was completely in veg mm-hmm. and not giving it any type of stress or at all, yeah, that that would definitely be the way to do it to make sure it didn't trigger early on you. Because if, if they trigger early on you, your your best bet is just to pull them and replant. And to because, cut that shit down, start over. Yeah, it's it's going to be a zero or you're going to grow a four ounce plant that should have been a four pound plant. Right, right. And it's, you can you really can plant later. They'll probably reach their, you know, whatever their limiting factor is, they'll, they'll reach it, you know, even if you have to plant in July. What do you consider the planting season? You know, first week of June, second week of June till, I mean, you could plant in, you know, beginning of September if you had to. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Or, re, or replant. Maybe you got some gaps in your canopy or, or lost a plant or two. Yeah, so um, it's not too late. And you could put any size plant out between June yeah. 1st and, and, and September 1st in most of the country and get some result. And uh, if, you're, if you're planting late, it's best to put out a late a late finisher so it has time to, to still veg out and stretch and yeah. fill the space in. But uh, Well, you know, it's interesting. I've talked to a few different people about late planting today, and some people like stretchers and some people like uh, short uh, non-stretchers for their late planting. Can, can, you, can you give any insight into that? Well, a sh- a short non-stretcher like a like a Urkel or even a Mac One or a Lemon Tree or just some real indica dominant, maybe like a Bubba Kush. They're they're not going to get that big, and they're going to trigger almost as soon as you put them out. So you're you're not going to get a whole lot there. But if you put out something that's that's a late season plant like a Sour Diesel or a Wedding Cake or OG Kush, they're going to continue to veg for a little while and continue to stretch before they actually stop sort of growing in size and start to, and start to bud, you'll fill your space in. You're going to end up with a much bigger plant and a better yield with a late planting like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still get a substantial size plant. Yeah. You've been doing this a long time, Jeff, and you keep your eyes open. You don't, you, you, you really study the cannabis plant. Can you say that there's like a handful of mistakes people make or that you've seen people make when they, when they first start out? With the outdoor growing? Yeah, in regard to outdoor growing um, and clones. They use too small of a pot, and that thing's root-bound by the end of June, and it starts flowering early. And, I mean, maybe the, I mean, maybe you want that. I mean, that's also kind of a, 
you know, a way to right train. It's a strategy. I mean, I was talking to a bubblegum guy earlier and like, you could do that with bubblegum and then pull it in August. And that's a good way to kind of beat the market and pull down a summer crop, you know, get you in the black before, you know, without pulling tarps before, uh, before the flood hits. So there's definitely some strategies there for it, but I would say people, you know, they they think they're going to grow a 10 pound plant and they end up with a, and they end up with, you know, a, a six-ounce plant. Yeah. yeah. Because it just gets root-bound. Another thing I've seen people do twice is they've got some type of house light or maybe an outdoor light that, that they light. keep on. Security lights or a neighbor's security light. They, they keep it on, you know, and it's, you know, it's into September and their plant isn't flowering yet. And they're wondering what's going on, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, the season's ending and, 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 and they still, they still need another three months of uh, flowering or, or two months of flowering and they, they're going to end up, they end up with nothing. So being aware of the, you know, sort of the light pollution is a, is a big thing. Could be a street lamp. I mean, who knows people, a lot of people are it's growing in their in people's backyard. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. You got to shoot those street lamps out. Now, I know you just said <laughs> that's totally humble Mendo Trinity style right there. Tear down the street signs, shoot, shoot down the, 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 the street lights. Not that you guys have any street lights in Trinity County. Definitely no street lights. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, or stoplight. No, there's a stoplight there uh, now. It's a stop sign. It's not a stop light. Oh, okay. Stop sign with a red flashing light on the highway. Quickly corrected. No stop lights in Trinity. People are going to ask this immediately on my Instagram or website. Well, what about the moonlight? How does a full moon affect it? Can you know? Is that going to keep it you know flowering? That's one of the questions we get all the time. You know where you know it's it's not. It's it's that's how the the plant evolved with with the moon. Mm -hmm. You know, so it it doesn't it doesn't really have an effect in my opinion. I've always liked it when there's a full moon out, right when I plant, just to just to help the plant from triggering like a little mm-hmm. extra light. Now, whether I've never had a problem, so whether it helped or not, like I didn't always have a full moon when I was planting, so right, you know. But but I kind of liked it. The plant evolved with the moon out every month, so that's it's not going to have an effect. I think I think when you look at the intensity of the sun and compare it to moonlight, it the the plant's probably just reading dark. You know, it, it can't pick up the the subtlety of the moonlight. It just it's the same as being dark. Yeah, I think the plant's a little bit smarter than than we give it credit for. Because you can go out into a fully lit moon, one of those like fall moons when you know it's really close to the earth and totally yeah. see everything clearly out there in the middle of nowhere. But the plants, they still know to stay asleep and to keep flowering. Yeah, and the, and the moon's not always up all night, and it's the same thing with holes in your light depth tarp. Like if they're just a couple of pinholes, no big deal because you know it's going to be dark in you know a couple hours after you pull tarp anyway. So mm-hmm. right, it's right. You know, a big a big shining light blasting you know streak through the through the um through the greenhouse. That's a problem, but just just pinholes, no big deal. I've I've. <laughs> We have a mutual friend that had a that blew my mind how many pennels he had in his old cover and no problems. Yeah, stop talking about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we can use that. We can use that tarp another year. It'll be fine. Yeah, one more year. Just put some duct tape on that rip there. Yeah, you're totally fine. Fine, fine. So, man, off subject. What what's good out there, man? What what kind of good strains are we smoking this year? What do you see for the marketplace in in California, strain wise? I don't know. Right now, they'll take whatever they can get untrimmed larf whatever they don't care mm-hmm. it's, there's there's no weed and there's been no weed out here for months it's it's an unexpected drought and prices are up and you know 
there's a lot of different factors, you know, attributing to that. But, uh, you know, I'm going, I'm going away from wedding cake that I've been growing the last few years. A great strain, been really good to me, but now all the nurseries have it. So, you know, now, you know, everybody's growing a couple of greenhouses of it. It's, it's a huge producer. And, it's passe you know, now for you. Well, you know, like I don't want to have the same, I don't want to come down with the same strains as everybody else. And once those big nurseries that pump the clones out start producing stuff, it's just now everybody has it. So now I don't have anything different. I don't have anything exciting. And I just, I got to compete with, you know, some 40 acre greenhouse down in Salinas that's pumping out shitty wedding cake. So, man, I, I, I'm going back to an old trusted and true OG twist. Oh man. The OG twist. That's so it is, good. It, <sighs> you know, like around the farm here, like, we like smoking the flavors, but like nothing, packs, nothing, nothing has the kick that OG mm. Twist does, and it always tests high. And that's, I mean, that's what the consumer wants right now. They they think they get more value with higher THC percentage. Mm-hmm, right. It's a great plant, and uh, I've grown it. I've been growing it seven years now, off and on. I didn't grow much last year, but uh, oh man, that makes me happy. That's one. That really is one of my favorite strains you guys grow. Yeah, it's great weed. It's great weed, and uh, I, I mean, I wish I could grow some of the flavors that I enjoy smoking more, but I just I need I need to grow stuff with those THC numbers, and like like every year, you know, trying out a couple of new things. I never grew grew GMO before, mm. and I know that's fairly popular, and. I think a lot of people don't grow it because it takes so long to flower. So I'm mm. I'm kind of deciding to bite the bullet and what's long? Uh, Eleven weeks, seventy-seven days. When does it come outside? I don't know. Okay, okay, you're gonna find out. Uh, Halloween, Halloween, right. bud. Uh, Halloween GMO. It's great weed. I love it, man. We all love it. Yeah, I mean, I love I love Kim D, and so mm-hmm. I figure mm-hmm. I got a lot of Kim D crosses around here too. Actually, Twist is a Kim D cross. So, mm-hmm. so there you go. But uh, as far as new stuff, some Slurricane, uh, NF1. What else we got that's 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 new? Ice cream cake. I got high hopes for that one. Uh, we had some lower branches kind of trigger on us, so we got to get a, a whiff of some resin of it. It, it, it smells spe- spectacular. Oh, man, that's great, dude. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I've been uh, talked to a few other Humboldt Trinity people this uh, the, today and uh man i, I just really uh, i look forward to coming and smoking some of that awesome awesome west coast organic light depth and greenhouse man it should be a good year i don't know if you can hear the thunder cracking in the background but um that's i mean that's why you can't plant too early you got to know your climate and mm-hmm. uh, you know one hard freeze you know one hail storm and uh you know blow for seeds you're, you're gonna be in, you're gonna be in rough shape so well, man, thanks for chatting with me today. I always appreciate chatting with you, Jeff. You're a, a, a shining light and beacon into the cannabis world. Thank you. Right on. Talk to you later. Later, bud. Well, there you have it. That's right. Expert advice seems to all agree and says, don't transplant out huge plants. Don't let your plants be root bound and don't put your plants out too early. Clones, clones anyway. Seeds, totally different subject. And maybe we'll approach that on the next week of The Real Dirt. But uh, for now, man, if you've got clones and you're ready to put them out, 
time is now, man. You're fixing to hit it and hit it hard. And just remember, you've got the planting season of June, July, and in, in many places, August as well. But for most of America, June 1st, August 1st is primo planting season. Now, if you planted some plants out already and they flowered, don't worry. Just cut those suckers down. If you planted those plants out and they flowered, don't worry. Just uh, buy some new clones or if you can't buy any new clones and, you know, just cut them down to just a sprig. And I know it seems crazy, man. You take a four foot plant and you cut it down to just like six nodes and one or two branches. But the root systems of those things are so big that they'll really just take over. And I've actually seen some of the hugest plants that don't have fucked up runny buds by by doing this. And as a matter of fact, it's, it's some people's even strategy. I would recommend staying against uh, away from that and putting, putting the perfect plant that size perfectly, that has no stress out at the perfect time. And I believe the perfect time to plant clones out throughout the country is about June 15th to June 21st. And you can put clones out then of all strains. And for the most part, they'll, they'll veg out and you'll be able to uh, have a nice normal size plant and uh, you won't have these uh, fucked up one leaf runny bud looking things because uh, you got excited and jumped the gun and put your clones out too early. So thanks again for joining me on this episode of the Real Dirt Podcast. I really love talking about weed and growing weed. And I, I, I'm, I'm so uh, thrilled when I run into people that I don't know. And they, they talk to me about the podcast and how it's helped and changed uh, what they're doing and, and, and how they're approaching growing. And if you have any questions, if you have anything you want to say, just join us on our Real Dirt Instagram. You can also check us out at the Real Dirt Podcast com realdirt.com and on our facebook group please please drop us a line if there's something you want to hear there's some subject you want to us to talk about and hey maybe maybe we'll do just that anyway thanks for joining me i know you got better things to do than listen to me babble but you're interested in growing ganja and you want it to propel yourself and you should do that. If you're not planting out cannabis right now, you, you should plant out some cannabis. You should get some seeds. You should get some clones in your legal state, your legal medical cannabis, and exercise your rights. If you're in Oklahoma and you're one of the over 100,000 people that now have a legal medical cannabis license, man, go put six plants in your backyard. Go put six plants in your basement. Go put six plants in your spare bedroom. Go put six plants in your your bathroom and, and grow your own, man. It's a really beautiful thing to watch the cannabis plant grow and as i've said before i'm not sure if we cultivate the plant or if cannabis cultivates us thanks again join me on my, our next episode of the real dirt the real dirt with chip baker